let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts and let them proclaim your power. Let each generation, that's all of us, even if you're not a parent or mom and dad, but all of us, God's calling to tell kids about his mighty acts and power. Just like you guys are speaking today of the awesome things God did and that lady that got healed from cancer. Another one is Deuteronomy 6, verse 3 and 7. And the whole chapter of um, Deuteronomy 6 is really good in our hearts. But um, let's just do verse 3 and 6, or 3 and 7, sorry. So 3 says, listen closely, Israel. Be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. And you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're driving in your car, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. God is saying, repeat it again and again and again. Say it again and again and again. How are they going to know if we don't tell them? You know, I grew up in a Christian home, and we went to church every Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Anytime the church doors were open and there was an event, we were there. But, you know, I don't really have lots of memories at home of us doing worship together or devotions or praying together when certain situations came up. My only kind of memory of something spiritual going on at home, and this might be an embarrassing for myself, story for myself, but I don't care. But I locked myself in the room and danced to Salty the Singing Songbook. <laughs> that was what I did at home. <laughs> so... But, you know, that would have helped me because later on in life, I was in public school, and when I came home, I watched TV a lot, and really the TV was my discipling me and teaching me about life. And I ended up falling away. But long story short, I came back to the Lord at 28, and I had this encounter with God. And I just remember standing in the basement, and I could feel the presence of God so strong for the first time in my life. I'm 28. And I just remember staring at my hands because it was just so tangible. And I'm like, this is way better than anything. Like, people need to know this. How did I grow up in church my whole life? And this is the first time I'm experiencing this. And it was just, it was sad. And that, like, birthed something in my heart to be passionate for kids to encounter God. And so I got my prayer language then. And I'm like, I got to tell my mom about this. So I was like, Mom do you know about praying in tongues? And she's like, oh, yeah, we did that. Well, I got that way back in Vietnam when we were missionaries in the 70s. I was like, why didn't you tell me about this? <laughs> you know, like if I would have been equipped at home a little bit more, that might have helped me a little bit through things that I went through in life. I had this revelation one day at home with Jayella, my daughter, who's 10 months now, and I was feeding her, and I realized it's common sense, but I, I know this, but it went deeper, you know, like, if I don't feed her, she can't live without me feeding her for years of her life. If I'm not making her food or giving her that food and I'm tangibly feeding her, she can't survive. And man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And from the moment that you're conceived in the womb, you have a spirit that needs to be fed the word of God. We're like huge fans of ministering to the baby in the womb because yeah. they need that. You know, Arthur Burke has done studies and babies who have been ministered to in the womb, 
They're more sensitive to the voice of God. They hear his voice earlier. They know what's right or wrong. They're even telling their parents, you shouldn't watch that on TV. That's not a really good show. (laughs) When fathers read the Bible to their babies in the womb, they honor their authority. He's seen this. He's prayed over babies and done this research for years and has seen these results. So we need to talk about it again and again to our kids. Malachi, hold on. Oh, sorry. Okay, Malachi 3.16 says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about honoring his name. So basically, like, when we're talking about the Lord, he's like, all right, let me go drop some eaves. He's listening. He wants to be there. His presence is there. And not even that, but he's writing it down. He's eavesdropping on you guys. Like, oh, that we would think about that and talk to our kids and take that opportunity to talk to them. You know, there's also a saying, curiosity killed the cat, which is really kind of a lie because, you know, you know that thing kids have when they're like, what's that? Why? Why does it do that? Why? And you could get why like 20 times, and you're like, I have no more answers for you. <laughs> like, if you ask me that one more time, I'm going to pull out my hair, you know? It's really, it's a challenging thing, but really it's an opportunity because it's something God's planted in kids to create an opportunity for us to embrace imparting the word of God and the culture of the kingdom and using that. Just like Lindsay did, she took that opportunity when things were coming up and it could have been a tantrum and they could have just lost it with each other. But she she said, let's bring the Holy Spirit into this and use that as an opportunity. We need to talk about it day and night when you get up, when you're going to bed, when you're driving in the car. My sister um, one day had this headache when she was driving in the car, and she gets migraines. She used to get migraines. She doesn't get them anymore. But instead, she could have gone home and been like, I just want to rest. You know, she has two little girls and said, can you guys just be quiet? Mommy has a headache. And so these two little girls, Lourdes is like super sweet, gentle. And then you have Nelia who's like wild and crazy. And so she's like took this opportunity for the migraine drive into the car. And she's like, girls, mommy has a headache. Can you pray for me? And so Lourdes, who's like really gentle, just puts her hand on Anita and prays for her. And then Nelia, the wild one, all of a sudden goes, mom, you feel that? And instantly her headache went away. And she's like, yeah, why? I'm throwing fireballs at you. I'm throwing fireballs at you. (laughs) You know? She was teaching them about healing in the fire of God. And if she had just kind of like gone on with her headache and been like, I just need quiet. But she took it as an opportunity to teach them about the word of God. So... As children's ministers, we love our job. There's nothing more that we want to do with our lives than to serve kids. Like, my heart is I just want to see kids encounter God and not wait till they're 28 like I did. And they don't need to, you know, because God loves kids. It's huge on his heart. But we get about an average of 40 hours a year with your kids. And that's not too much. But parents, oh, each dot's an hour. Thank you, honey. But as, (laughs) rewind, each dot's an hour. 
There's 40 dots. We send about an average of 40 hours a year with your kids. But parents get 3,000 hours a year, not even including the nighttime. So our heart is to partner with you guys, just like Lindsay was sharing. Like, we need to do this unified as a team. So one of the things we are starting is a parent loop. So each week, we're going to send this home with you guys, or it'll be on Facebook. And it's going to tell you, it goes, what are we learning? Think about this and try this. So we're going to talk about where we're learning, give you ideas and things that you can try at home with your kids. We also want to have parent Q&A sessions where we just get together and eat lunch together. And we'll have like a movie night or time for the kids and have people taking care of them. But you guys have wisdom, you know. Like again, like Lindsay had this awesome story. And I've heard so many other awesome stories. The Van Reedens bring their kids to prayer sets. I mean, Katie was over there. They told me for an hour and a half writing in her journal and worshiping God. You know, if we partner together with what we're doing and we can share with each other ideas of what we're doing at home and talk about things and situations and give each other wisdom, it's not just us giving wisdom, but we all have wisdom to share. So having a parent Q&A session. So let's go over verse 6-3 again. It says, you and your children and your grandchildren, the generations must fear your God, the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel. Be careful to obey, and then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of your ancestors promised you. You know, after this, God was giving Joshua generation a warning. He's telling him, repeat it, repeat it again, repeat it again. When you go in there, keep telling your children about it. But the generation after Joshua fell away. You know, I don't want to drop the ball. I don't want to drop the ball of the generation after me. About There are about 7.4 billion people in the world, and Half of them are under the age of 16. We could reach half of the world's population at the least because there's so many other ministries going after evangelism, all these other things. But if we're even just focused on kids, we could reach half the world for Christ. I used to work at CFNI in the kids' camp area, and we used to get phone calls all the time like, we need volunteers. Um, Can you send people our way? We need help. And this one guy called one day, and he was like, we're having these awesome prayer movements. It's like revival. Like, people are encountering God. And we really want our parents to come, so we need somebody to take care of the kids. That just says, like, fire in my heart, because I'm like, okay. You know, that's really awesome that you're having revival and these awesome prayer meetings and encountering God. But if you don't include the kids in these and teach them at least in the room that they're going to, it's not going to last very long. I was like, I hope I don't lose my job for that. (laughs) You know? Like, how do you think the Moravians had a 100-year prayer for a 100 years? If one generation did that, they would have died. It wouldn't have lasted a 100 years. They had to have passed it on to the next generation. All right, everybody say this. Boom. I forgot that slide. The greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be what you do, but someone you raise. 
We can't forget the cute pictures of the babies. <laughs> All right. Everybody, say this after me. Say, I have an assignment from heaven. I have an assignment from heaven. To connect the generations. To connect the generations. And fuse them together. Okay, the game that we played up here earlier, it had, um, we fused the scores together. It connected the generations. We had multiple generations up here, and it wasn't just what one person's score was. It was all of the scores combined together. It was connected, okay? When we fuse generations, this is what's important about doing that in connecting them. It creates continuity between the generations. It's a continuation. It's not just this happens and then this happens. It's a continuation, and so let me tell you how I got started in children's ministry. This is funny. Some of you have already heard this, but I was 17 years old. I didn't want anything to do with children's ministry whatsoever, but I was helping a buddy of mine um, start a church in a small town in Ohio. Uh, I was helping out with the youth ministry and um, with the media and a few other things. But uh, for months, he kept asking me, he's like, hey, do you want to go help out with the kids? You'd be so great at it. And I'd be like, um, let me pray about it. I'm just so busy right now. I'll get back to you next week. Next week, I'd just be like, yeah, I prayed about it. No, no, it's, it's not for me. Obviously, I didn't pray about it, but, you know, that's the, that's the Christian answer you give to pastors when they want you to do something, right? Um, so I, I kept saying, hey, no, it's not for me. It's not for me. It's not for me. And then um, about six months, six to seven months later, uh, there is a day where there were so many kids at church. It was 18. This was a church plant. There were 18 kids at church, and the children's pastor was like, I just need somebody um, to help me downstairs, which is where the children's ministry was, to be the crowd control guy. I was like, I could do that. I've done youth ministry. I could be the crowd control person and be like, hey, shh, you need to be paying attention. That's what I was told I was going to be doing. So I get downstairs. This is all before service, okay? All before service, the day I show up, this is happening. And uh, I show up down there, and then there's a countdown going. Service is about to begin. There's 37 seconds left. All the kids, they're packing their games up that they were playing before service, and then they were going and heading to their chairs ready to begin. And the children's pastor looks at me and says, you have 37 seconds. The service is yours. Go. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. But about five minutes into this, um, I get the revelation, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, this is what God created me for, and this is what I want to be doing every day for the rest of my life. And so that's what I'm doing. Deuteronomy 6, 7, again, it says this. It says, sorry, it was already up there. Repeat them again and again to your children, the next generation. If you don't have kids, it means the next generation. It still applies to you. Repeat it again and again to your generation. I asked myself that day after um, I was doing the children's ministry, and I was like, why wasn't it like this when I was growing up? That's why I had told my pastor no for so long, because my experience growing up, it wasn't children's ministry. It was watching VeggieTales, Okay. We were all in a room, all these different age groups. A lot we were of in the same room with you. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's sad, but that's, that's what I grew up with. And for me, I didn't know what the service order was or how um, children's church normally was for the church I was helping. But I knew in my heart, okay, this is what it should be. This is what I'm going to do. If I get in trouble afterwards for doing like a children's service, actually ministering to them. Um, I'll just deal with it later. But that's what I did, and it was, it was life-changing for me. And this is what um, happened. Most churches and 
not this church by any means, but most churches in past generations, what happened, they forgot the importance of children's ministry. It began being viewed as babysitting or just keeping the children in another room so they can play and have fun because they get fidgety in here with the adults and we can't lose any adults because, you know, they tithe. And so let's put the kids over there, wherever, just get them out of the room. And that's what children's ministry began viewed as. What happened was is there wasn't continuity in the generations. They weren't communicating to the next generation. Children's ministry is important. The children are so important. Now, we're in a spiritual war, okay? And in any war, what is one of the primary targets? It is the opposing forces line of communication. You want to take out the communication if you want to win the battle swiftly and easily, okay? This this happens on the, the sports field. You know, you've got different teams. If you take out the communication between the players, there's no practice beforehand, they're not going to do well. And the other team is going to come in and win. Okay? In a friendship, if you want to split up a friendship, a godly friendship, what happens? The enemy comes, he attacks the communication between the friends. Then there gets, there's all this stuff that just starts blowing up inside of each other. They get hurt, and then they just don't talk to each other anymore. Same way with the marriage. If the devil wants to split up a marriage, what does he attack first? It's the communication. With, with generations, what, it's the same thing. If he can take out the communication between one generation and the next, he knows he'll have that next generation. And so the devil, he has interrupted and hurt the communication between generations for far too long. And we are going to stop that here at Storehouse Church for 2017. The younger generation is always important. I'm not saying that there's a higher priority on them than the other generations that are alive at the same time. But they are all here on earth at the exact same time with a purpose. God has this all here together with a purpose to collaborate together, to fuse together and transform the earth. When we fuse these generations, what happens? We have to start with culture to fuse these generations together. Now, the, this is the definition for culture, and I think this is so interesting. It says, culture is the way of living built up by a group of people and then transferred from one generation to the next. It's culture. This is what creates culture, what we pass on to our kids. And There are so many lies in culture today about children and children's ministry. And um, there's so many things I could go on and on about. But it's all from culture. There's been things that are negative that have been passed on from one generation to the next. We need to be very purposeful in what we pass on to the next generation. And Storehouse Kids, we say this all the time. We determine culture by the way we live our lives. We decide what culture is. It's not what was before us, but we decide it today. The way we live today determines culture because it's determining it for the next generation. It's already creating that continuity for the ones after them. I was in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana when I was 11 years old. This was the first time I ever heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. Okay, The first time I ever felt that spark on the inside. And I was at a youth event called Acquire the Fire. Um, it was in the, I was in the RCA down way up in the nosebleed section. I'm scared of heights. I did not like it. Um, but I was 11 years old. I grew up in a Baptist church where children's ministry was Veggie Tales. Okay. So I, I had no clue anything, what any kind of ministry to me directly was. And so I really wasn't paying attention to anything that was going on. But somebody, um, I don't know who it was. Somebody from uh, the stage said this, said uh, the generation that the world cannot change 
is the generation that will change the world. That was the first note that I ever wrote down, first time I ever felt the Holy Spirit say something to me, first time I ever felt that spark inside, and it's actually one of the first things that I was ever able to remember um, without having to go back and look at what I had written down, even years later. Say it again. The generation that the world cannot change is the generation that will change the world. Okay? And so this is what that means. If we transform the culture, we can then transform a generation. Once we transform that generation, that generation is the generation that transforms the world. That's this generation, right? That's this generation. Okay. So when we transform the culture, we transform a generation, we start begin, beginning to create generational synergy. Fusing the generations together creates generational synergy. This graph here, this shows um, basically what a spiritual accomplishment, um, spiritual growth of what happens in a normal generation. You only go so far, okay? And if we don't have um, fused generations together, if we don't create generational synergy, it just looks like this. It's the same thing over and over and over again. But when we mix the generations together, and we pass on what was in one generation to the other. It mixes together, and it creates synergy, which basically means one plus one equals three. The next generation can go higher. They can go farther. They can go deeper in their relationship than, with God than we ever could. Our children and the next generation were made to stand on our shoulders. Our ceiling should be their floor, and this is what happens with generational synergy. We are creating an opportunity for this at Storehouse Church, okay? It's called Wisdom Speaks. Now, this is an opportunity for us all to get involved with uh, sharing our testimonies, kids, sharing our faith walk, sharing what God has done in our lives, how he's pulled us through all the tough times, how he's overcome and he's always protected us and kept us safe and provided for us through the entire time, okay? There's a lie that culture has infiltrated the church, though. And this happens all across the world. And the lie is your testimony doesn't matter. What God has done doesn't matter. What God did for you, nobody wants to hear. Nobody really cares about it. It's not going to impact anybody. But that's the lie from culture. You all have a part to play in this. The word testimony means this in Hebrew, do again. And one of my directors at CF&I at my time there, his name was Dutch Sheets. Some of you might have known of him, but he said this, he says, when we share a testimony today in faith, when we share a testimony today of what God did back then in faith, the very same power is released today that was released back then. We saw that up here when Andrew, he was releasing the testimony of what happened when he prayed for that woman. Okay. And then he came and he released that testimony. Did you hear how he prayed that? I released that testimony. He released it into the atmosphere. You guys stood up and then we're seeing healings happen. The very same power that uh, was released back then is released today when we release our testimony. You all have a testimony. No matter how little you think it is, that's a lie from the enemy. It is very, very powerful. And Wisdom Speaks, this is an opportunity that we're creating for Storehouse Kids for you guys to partner with us in this. Whether you're parents or just if you don't have um, any kids right now, you know, you can get involved in this because we all have testimonies. It's going to be on Thursday nights. And so basically if you're an older generation, if you were born before 2004, we want you involved in this. If you were born before 2004, so that's 13 and older, we want you involved in this. 
okay, to be pouring wisdom into the next generation. Psalms 145 says this, verse 4. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts and let them proclaim your power. Tell them, let them proclaim your power. This is the testimony going out and then being repeated and repeated and repeated again and again and again. The children aren't just children of the parents, but they are children of the generation. Some of you, while I've been telling you about this Wisdom Speaks, you've felt this spark on the inside. You're feeling the Holy Spirit, and you're like, wow, this is awesome. I want to connect with you guys after service. Come find me. I want you guys to get involved in this. We need to change this next generation. Okay, so what can we start doing today to fuse the generations, to connect generations and start creating generational synergy. This happens for everyone in here. Ask yourself these questions. Who are the three people older than me that I allow to speak into my life? Everybody needs to find at least three people that is older than you that you're allowing them to speak into your life. And then constantly ask yourself this question. What have I done to invite their voice into my life? This is honor, guys, is you going and inviting them to speak into your life. Don't just assume people are going to come up and just start telling you all this stuff, okay? You need to go and invite their wisdom into your life. Seek it out. And then here are these. For three younger people, younger than you, who are you pouring into? Find three people that you're pouring into. For some of you parents in here, you've got three or more that you're already pouring into on a 24-hour basis, which is awesome. But then also just keep asking yourself, when was the last time I checked in with these people? When was the last time I said, hey, are you doing okay? Hey, what's going on? What, what's God doing in your life? You know, it, what we're doing is we're partnering, not with just parents, but partnering with the church community as a whole. And we're going to see a generation change. Once again, let me tell you the statistics. It's 7.4 billion people on earth born since 2004. That's the four years, four last years of the millennial generation, okay? So any of those of you that are millennials in here, like me, four years, the four last years of that, plus this generation that's here now, this 12 and under, that is your um, generation alpha slash generation Z, different people call it different things. But with that, just... 16 years, it's half the people on the planet. Half the people on the planet. Generation Alpha is going to be the biggest generation. We've still got six years to go in this thing. It's going to be the largest generation ever. And then the next generation is going to be even larger than that. We have an opportunity to affect not only this generation, but the future generations by creating generational continuity. I want to say this one more time. If you transform the culture, you can transform a generation. When we transform a generation, we can then transform the world. Everybody bow your heads. I'm going to pray for you. God, I thank you for what you are releasing in this place today. You are releasing power and wisdom for the next generation. God, I thank you for moving on hearts to be connected to this vision of transforming the next generation. God, I ask right now that you give everyone in here, you just start dropping names into their heads. You highlight people as they're walking in and out of church today of who they need to be connected with, ones that they need to network together with to transform the next generation. In Jesus' name, amen.